This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same. Come on. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him, and all the people followed, crowning around him. A woman in the crown had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years, she had spent everything to pay. she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus had realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still talking to her, messengers arrived from the house of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave, and he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Koam, which means, little girl, get up. And the girl, who was 12 years old, immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed, he's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right there among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. Thank you, Phoebe. 
You may be seated. Thank you so much for being part of the house today. It's an honor to have you. We're starting a series called I Just Want to Be Healed. How many of you would just like to be healed? <laughs> I know if you've ever been sick, it's a, a passion to want to be well. I've not, in my all my life, I was trying to rehearse to really think this through, but I've never met anybody that said, I'm really trying to get sick. So there's something divine in humans, like the divine wisdom of God has been put in our body because we strive to want to be well, and I meet few that really are going, I just really want to be as sick as a dog because I love it. Even people who don't know God hate being sick. And then God designed you in such a way that built into your DNA is the power to heal yourself. Uh, you cut yourself and, you know, as long as you don't have a huge rat, you know, a huge infection, you heal, your, yourself will heal yourself. Your skin will grow back together. And that in and of itself to me would, would seemingly state that there's some type of divine creation going on that he made us that way. So if God designed your body to be well on its own, then there must be something about his nature and his fatherhood that wants you well. The problem is, and I'll go ahead, let's just jump into it, and let's read some of the scripture that Phoebe read. I want to take you on a journey today that may help you as I've tried to process this healing thing out, and I'll tell you why. I've been in ministry, pastoring for over 30 years. I've prayed my heart out for people to get well, and they don't get well. They get more sick and then they even die. I've prayed for others who've gotten healed. Miracle healing. It, if I'm just being honest, it's almost like a crapshoot. Just good luck if you get healed. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. And, and I've prayed such prayers before that I got discouraged because I used all the faith I had and the person died anyway. And that made me think, well then what's the use of even praying if they're going to die anyway because now I feel like an idiot because I stood up and said Jesus is a healer and really went out on a limb here and they died anyway so where are you because I'm down here representing you I'm down here trying to uphold your nature and character telling people you're a healer you're letting people die that doesn't seem fair I feel like an idiot maybe I just won't pray for people anymore or if I do, it's just kind of good luck. And so I wrestled with those things. I wrestled with what's the use of praying for people if they're going to die anyway. And then if you feel like an idiot that you prayed for them and he did die, then what's the use of praying for anybody? Because that makes us look stupid. Jesus will heal you. Oh, really? Yeah, he really will. Boom, you died anyway. Well, I guess he doesn't heal. And then we just shut down rather than really diving in. And so what I tried to do over my 30 years is dive in because I've buried friends. I've, I've had to be there when husbands had heart attacks and died instantly. I've had to get up in the middle of the night when a 16-year-old died. I've had to be there with a parent that miscarried. And uh, over 30 years, I've buried from the womb to the tomb. I've buried every age with sicknesses and diseases and you know, it's just like, come on, don't tell me Jesus is a healer because it sure doesn't feel like he does. But what I had to learn is he's not a healer because I see results. He's a healer because it's who he is. He is healing. He is 
grace. He is power. And so let's just read through the scriptures, and I want to take you on a journey of some stuff I've worked out that I hope will help you too. I hope it will build your faith today. Here it is. Jesus went and all the people followed with a crowd. We talked about this last week in depth about the faith. A woman in the crowd had suffered uh, for 12 years. She had a great deal from many doctors, spent all her money. And then I love the phrase at the bottom, she only got worse. Got to love those people. Next verse. She heard about Jesus. She came up behind him through the middle of the crowd. She touched his robe, or she thought with herself, if I could just touch his robe, I'll be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of a terrible condition. Next verse. Jesus realized at once healing power had gone out of him. Now, this is, and I'm not, I don't have time to talk about it because it's not my point today, but, but it's in green for a reason. I want you to see that there was healing power in Jesus that wasn't coming out of him until the woman touched him. It was there. It was resident within him, but she pulled it out of him. So this is what I mean by I don't want to just look at the results because if I just look at the results, there's a lot of people touching Jesus that aren't getting healed and there's only one that touched him that got healed. So is Jesus a healer or is he not a healer? Because if tons are touching him and nobody's getting healed in the crowd, but then one touches him and gets healed, is he not a healer or is he a healer? And if he is a healer to the woman, then maybe it is by fate, as we said last week. And then maybe he doesn't want to heal everybody. He just wants to heal one. She got lucky. She got it. But it tells us something about him that the healing power was resident in him all the time. It was his nature. And she pulled on his nature. And what happened is he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robe? The disciples are freaked out. Next verse. This is what they say. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and you can ask who touched you? I mean, they're freaking out like everybody's touching you. Like we're in this crowd and everybody's grabbing onto your robes and how could you stop and say who touched me when everybody's obviously touching you? Jesus says this. He kept on looking around to see who had done it. And the frightened woman, trembling, realized what had happened to her and came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, and this is what we talked about last week, Daughter, your faith made you well. In other words, there was resonant healing in me that was doing nothing for anybody. They're all touching me. But nothing's happening with everybody just grabbing me. Jesus, 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 please, please, Jesus, Jesus. This woman, Jesus, oh, he stops Power goes out of him. She gets divinely well. And that freaks everybody out. Everybody's like, that doesn't even remotely make sense. But yet Jesus says that there was something about the woman that pulled on something of God. And when I buried my friend Matt at age 33 from pancreatic cancer, it was a hard, a hard week for me. Hard that I'm going to miss him. Hard that his wife and two kids are going to miss him. Hard that I believed with all my heart that he would live and he didn't. And it just really irritated me. Because I'm thinking, God, if you're going to heal anybody, a guy with two kids that's in his 30s that's got a long life to live that don't want to leave his children without a daddy, that seems so unfair. So your God, just heal him. 
How simple is that? Just snap a finger, heal him. Real simple. Nothing. We buried Matt. And I kind of just got in a mode of, I don't even know why I would pray for anybody. I, ah, I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And in that moment, what I felt the Lord say is to me, you know, as only a heavenly father could rebuke a kid. So you don't want to pray for people anymore because you didn't get your way? And I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely what I mean. I don't want to pray for people because I didn't get my prayer answered. And then I felt he said back, so you don't want to pray for people because I told you to pray for people. You want to pray for people because you want your way to happen versus just pray for people because I told you to pray for people. And then that blew my mind because I thought, yeah, you're right. I just need to be bold to pray for people. I need to be bold to believe for a miracle. But you didn't get a miracle. Well, then shut up. I still believe he's a miracle-working God. And so I had to teach myself. I had to walk myself through to continue to believe in a miracle-working God because power was resident within him. But this passage of Scripture bothers me. Because what bothers me is everybody else who's pulling on him, but they don't get a thing. And it led to this thought, a question actually, then a thought. What do you do when you're pressing into Jesus just as hard as the next person, but you don't get the miracle? Because this is the really the part of the story that bothers me. I love clapping for the sick woman, like, yay, go sick woman, you got it. But can you imagine the other 150 thinking, well, what about me? I've been grabbing on to him. I've been pulling on his robe. Nothing. How can you tell me he's a healer when I'm touching him just as hard as the woman? I'm begging him to stop and he won't stop. I'm touching his robe, but no power is coming out of him at all. I'm grabbing on to it. I just won't let go of his robe, but there's no power coming out of his robe. And then this chick, who's been bleeding for a while, grabs it, boom, she's healed. It makes me go, well, then what about me? And last week when we talked about this issue of your faith pulling on God, it would have been easy to walk out the door and go, well, I pull and I get nothing. I've prayed, I get nothing. What about me? So you're just telling me that I don't have enough faith? Or are you just telling me it's my fault? Because I know they all thought that. I know they all thought, am I not good enough? Did I not pray hard enough? Did I not believe enough? Is my problem not big enough? Am I only bleeding seven years? I should be being 12 before you heal me? And so let's never forget that this, this is a valid question. What do you do when you're praying just as hard as the next person, but you don't get it? What do you do when you're, quote, begging God to heal you and you get doodly squat? And I kept reading the verse, and we had Phoebe read down into chapter 6 because it gives us the answer. Here's the thought, and then I'll give you a scripture. Here is my thought. I guess if I don't get my miracle, and this is Theology 101, where most people go, well, then it must not be God's will to heal me. Because he would have. And so you, you end up with a bunch of books written. You end up with a bunch of God only heals some people. You end up with a bunch of if it be thy wills. You end up with a bunch of 
He heals some but not others and we fill up libraries and we call it seminary and we teach to try to explain our humanity in relationship to his divinity and we have to write a bunch of books to explain it because the Bible's not good enough to explain it. And so here's the continue to read and I'll try to help you. Mark 6 now. Now, now think about this. Two miracles just happened. A dead girl and a woman get healed, miraculously healed, like mind-blowingly healed. A dead kid healed, a bleeding woman healed, and everybody else in the crowd is left cluelessly blank. Feels unfair. Jesus chapter 6. He left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples, and when the Sabbath came, he began to teach. Many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that's been given him, and what are these remarkable miracles? Next verse. But Jesus could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on... That, that's that's mind-altering. I thought if he's Jesus, he could just... <laughs> and do his little... You know, his little uh, Spider-Man throw of a miracle or two. Everybody, miracle for you, miracle for you. But he literally says, even though the divine power is in me to heal, I just can't do it. Why? This stings. I can't do it because I'm amazed at your lack of faith. And I just hate that. I hate the fact that Jesus throws it back on me. Because I'm like, no, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You're God. You can do anything you want to do. Jesus says, I can't do anything I want to do because if I could, I could have just thrown a miracle to everybody. But there's something about healing that's not just connected to my divinity, but it's connected to you. Which, oh, I don't like that. I just like the God of the yellow that doesn't make me have any thought of my own condition. I want him to have a pity party for me. I want him to tell him he's sorry that I'm sick and my rash is still breaking out and I'm just going to heal that rash, Mark, because I don't want you to do anything, Mark. I just want you to whine and complain and then I'm just going to heal you. But when I look and go, God, why? Why? you got to help me. Tell me what's going on. And then he looks down and says, well, it's not the fact that I don't have the power, Mark. The fact that amazes me is you. Your lack of faith amazes me. My lack of faith? I've been following you down the dirt road. I've been pulling on your robe. I've been going, Jesus is in town. Jesus is in town. And he's like, yeah, I appreciate it, but that's not faith. Your pity is not your faith. Your desperation is not your faith. My brokenness is not my faith. My, my faith has to do with something other. I'm going to teach this next week. Something other than my pitiful state of being. And a lot of times, even when we say, well, I'm praying, I'm, prayer is not faith. If prayer was faith, he would have said to every Pharisee, great job. You all have such faith. But no, he said to them, he said, your, your words are just nothing. They're not even connected to your heart. They're just words. You're sons of the devil and you pray all the time. So even my prayers going up to God, oh, please. 
please, please, may not be faith. And yet we feel like if I'm praying, I must have faith. So I'm going to teach that next week, but that's a promo. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder why I do this. <laughs> but thank you for coming. <laughs> you may be wondering too. Here's the blue words. Because I think this helped me. When there, were nobody getting, when there was no one getting healed, and when everybody had lack of faith, Jesus just didn't say, you sorry bunch of humans. I'm going back up to heaven. I can't do a thing with you. When Je Watch now. When Jesus bumped into people who didn't get healed, what did he do? Cop an attitude? He taught them. And it dawned on me that a lot of people who don't get an instant miracle just simply don't want to be taught. I want God to fix it. Don't teach me something. I want him to just fix me, bless me, and heal me, but require no teaching. I want to stay a carnal little pouty baby, and I want him to fix me. I want him to give me my pappy. I want him to let me suck on the ninny. I want him to clean my diapers. I don't want him to expect me to go to college and quit living in his basement. I didn't mean that. My kids still live in my basement. That's a little plug to get them out. Get out of my house. <laughs> oh, I love them there. They can stay with me all the time. They got my grandbaby, that's why. So back up a verse, if you will. I want to show you something. Look at the two things that they say about him. Watch the wisdom. And what are the miracles? It dawned on me... Maybe the reason we don't see healing today is because we're focused on the immediate miracle rather than the wisdom. But do you know if you'll seek the wisdom of God, it'll bring you healing? It's just not immediate. It's a process. And we don't like process healing. It doesn't feel godly. I like immediate healing. Let me tell you what happened to me. My knee was killing me. They prayed for me. Boom, I got a miracle. Glory to God. And then we posted on Instagram while the other one kind of hobbles out with my knee still killing me. So when, now watch, when there's no miracle, there's wisdom. Here's the thought. When you don't get a miracle from Jesus... Rather than copying an attitude, you press into the wisdom of Jesus. So that Mark, when, when I ask for prayer and, and it doesn't happen, such as with my rash, or I've had a rash for, I don't know, maybe COVID, maybe I'm a walking COVID miracle, I don't know. But I never have, I never, I'm never sick, like just never. I'm always healthy. But I've had this blooming rash just break out and and. And so I'm like, okay, I want to be well. It doesn't go away. All right, pray. Elders, nothing. Uh, anoint with oil, nothing. Speak to it, nothing. Quote scripture, nothing. I try everything. And then I can just get irritated like, oh, he must not be a healer. But I know he is. And so rather than Mark getting stuck in the yellow going, well, I didn't get my miracle today, I've learned over time 
to forget getting caught up in the miracle and let me press into his wisdom. And let me ask some hard questions about me. Not about you. Are you a healer? Let me press into your wisdom and ask some stuff about Mark here. Let me, let me know me. Let me know what's going on in my body. Let me know what I need to do down here on this planet rather than where are you when I need you? And so now I've learned rather than condemning him for not giving me the miracle, I've learned to press into him to give me the wisdom. For this is my opinion, and I think it's fact, but I'm going to throw it to an opinion believing it's fact. I think when we seek the wisdom of God, everyone finds the presence and the healing of God. I'm smart enough to know not everybody gets the miracle, but everybody can get the wisdom because he went around teaching everybody. Some of them just got the miracle. They don't have a clue what happened, but they got it anyway. But the others, he's like, yeah, when I can't do a miracle, you all know what I do when I can't do a miracle and I'm Jesus, the miracle worker? I just go over here and sit down and I start teaching people. Telling me something that when a believer is taught well, healing begins to manifest on a different plane than you just running around looking for miracles. It manifests within the wisdom so I ran through some wise things. I think, I don't know what's next on their screen. I'm kind of, okay, yeah, thank you. So here's the thought. If, if I'm not getting my miracle and I need to seek wisdom, I'm going to run you through some wisdom for healing. So let's just say you don't get the miracle today. You got prayed for, but nothing happened. Don't give up. Let's go for wisdom now. Here's the first thought I just want you to think, and then I'll parse it out and give you. And this is a note-taking day, so if you're a note-taker, you're going to need to take some notes because there's a lot, but I'll run through them and just make points for you. You're a spirit, soul, and a body. Know this. All three of these areas affect the others. If your body's sick, it's just hard to have a joyful day. Your mind. If your mind's sick, nobody wants to be around you. You have a sick mind. You're perverted in your thoughts. But, but bad thoughts impact the body. Like you can literally think yourself sick. Why? Because your soul and your body and your spirit are intertwined. They, they each impact the other. So a person who's going to the gym, and they're pumping and they're running, and they're, I'm going to get my body in shape, my body in shape, and I'm reading books. I read three books a week, man. I get my mind in shape. I'm getting educated. But if your spirit's sick, a sick spirit will impact the soul and the body. If you're a Christian and you're coming to church and you're fasting and you're praying and you're reading the Word and you're renewing your mind with the Word but all you do is eat bacon pizza <laughs> and you're 400 pounds, five overweight, you have high blood pressure, you have sugar diabetes. How many of you know your body, even if your spirit's healthy, if the body's not healthy, it affects everything. And you can have abs and then, then be dirty in your soul and not have one friend. And you're like, dude, I look so good. I wonder why people don't hang out with me. Because you're a jerk. Because all three of them are you. And we have to look at all three realms when we're sick. 
Does my sickness manifest from my spirit? Does my sickness, is it manifesting from my soul? Is my sickness manifesting from my body? I just can't go, I'm sick. Wisdom says, sick where? Where are you sick? I tell you where I'm sick. I'm sick in my body. My back's killing me. Oh, Jesus. All right, so let's pray for the back. It's a body problem. But do you not also know that your soul and your spirit can be impacting your body? And we're praying for your back to get better, but it's really connected to your soul because in your mind you're harboring unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness is impacting your body and it's manifesting in your back and maybe you threw your back out, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you have a sick spirit that's impacting your body. See, it's weird, right? We just want a snap of a finger. It must be my body. Well, not all the time is the miracle of your body really your body's fault. So let's run through them. I'm going to give you several wisdoms for healing. Here's the first. Let's give a scripture. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. It's a guy healed. He said, see, you're well again. This stings. Stop sinning or something worse is going to come on you. Now, Jesus tells me that some sicknesses we deal with are just because you won't quit sinning. It's not his fault. He wants you well. But you continually to go back into sinful behaviors over and over and over. And he says to you, he says, it's not that I don't want you well, Mark, but you keep repeating the same sinful behaviors and you just need to know that sin and sinful behaviors is an open door for things to get worse in your physical body. So when I find myself sick, and I've done it for this too, God, is there any sin in my life? Any areas that are unpleasing to you? Any areas in my thought life that are unpleasing? What my eyes see? And I immediately go here. I immediately just start with, let's cleanse me, Father. If there are things in Mark's mind, things in my way I'm thinking, cleanse me of any sin. I confess my sins before you. Because if Jesus himself says, sin will open a door to sickness, well, I'd like to get all sin out of my life then instead of playing games with it. So here's the first wisdom for healing. Don't let ongoing sin be a doorway to sickness. Ongoing sin can be a doorway to sickness in your life. And we're kind of mad that Jesus isn't healing us immediately, and he's kind of like, well, I can, but there's this sin that's in your life that's opening the door to the sickness again and again and again. Close that door. The second one is this. In your anger, do not sin and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. This is a weird, a weird thought because Christians teach the devil's defeated, right? I mean, that's, what, that's the norm. He's defeated. He has no power. He's a roaring lion, but he has no teeth. Don't be afraid of him. God made a show of him openly. I agree with all of that. It's all scripture. But it also makes me a little nervous that he also says, you better be careful because even though he's a defeated foe, you can crack the door on him. Knock, knock, who's there? Just a little sin. I cracked the door, all hell rushed in. Just give him a toehold. The actual Greek is a toehold. It's, it's a putting your foot in the door so they can't slam the door. 
And Paul says you need to be careful because if you're not careful, there are things in your thought life, your anger, your emotions that will crack the door for the devil to rush in on you. So this literally lends itself. Here's the, here's the thought. I'll give it to you. Don't let your emotions be a foothold to sickness. Are you mad at somebody? Are you bitter? Somebody do you wrong, tick you off. You don't want to think about them. You can't stand them. You're angry at them. You hold bitterness against your ex. You don't ever want to talk to them because they've done me so dirty. Well, if you're not careful, those emotions of, of re, uh, you know, revenge and unforgiveness and bitterness towards somebody that literally deserves it. But even though they deserve it, if you're not careful, that bitterness that you hold to that person that did you wrong, that anger that manifests when things don't go your way, you're like, oh, God, this makes me so mad. You're flipping people off the middle finger as they drive. You're honking and laying on horns. Your blood pressure is coming out because nobody in Atlanta can drive. Ah! And that, ah, is opening a door to sickness. Who would have ever thought me screaming at somebody on 285 is the doorway to why I'm so sick? <laughs> Robin and I go to this real nice restaurant now that all of our children are grown. Oh, baba. <laughs> we, we go out every Friday night to this nice restaurant and we just sit together by ourselves. Just she and I at a table and we just love each other. So... Every blooming Friday, somebody wrecks. And I'm thinking, you people in Atlanta, you have five lanes. This isn't like a dirt road. You have five lanes of traffic. How in God's name are y'all wrecking? Every Friday, there's a wreck. Every Friday, Siri's trying to route me another way. And I can just feel the blood boiling because I got a reservation. I'm like, ah. We're going to have to leave on Thursday just to get there by Friday. But do you know that your emotions will make you sick? Fear? I, this, uh, this is, I cannot go here, but I'm going to. I think a lot of people who got sick with COVID got sick with COVID because they were so fearful. I'm not saying it's not real and you don't get a head cold and all, but I think fear is a worse sickness than the actual sickness. Because when you get sick and you're already afraid of getting sick, the sickness is even worse. It's like, oh my God, I'm sick. I made a joke last week. I Googled, what, why would I break out in a red rash? Don't ever Google it. Like, I'm amazed I'm even here today. I should be dead by now, according to Google. Why? Because fear... Fear will make you sick. There's a lot of people sick because they, they drive to work angry. There's a lot of people sick because their husband and wife are arguing all the time. There's a lot of people sick because their children are driving them crazy. There's a lot of people sick because they work nonstop all the time and never rest. And they want to know where's the miracle working God. Well, he's not in the miracle right now. He's in the wisdom. You need to slow down. You need to let the anger go. You need to let the unforgiveness go. You need to let the bitterness go. You need to quit giving everybody the middle finger. You need to stop slamming doors and kicking the dog and cussing the kids. That may be why you're sick. All right, next one. I felt like that was good preaching there. I almost just went Pentecostal like, eh! <laughs> I grew up on this one, so this is important to me. The tongue is also a fire world of evil. It corrupts the whole body. 
And it sets the whole course of your life on fire. The word corrupt there in the Greek means this. It's a good word. I'm not saying they translated it wrong, but corrupt, you know. But but the word translates spoiled rotten. It's like having milk. Anybody ever just have milk? And you're so excited to go eat your Lucky Charms, and you open the lid, and I'm like, oh, my God. Gee, what? Who? Oh, man, the milk is soured. Anybody in here love soured milk? Good, no dumb people. All right, so awesome. <laughs> if you were going to raise your hand, I was like, man, I got to pray for you because I got a lot of sour milk I'll give you. But it literally means that your mouth will sour your body. Your mouth. I mean, on the outside, you'll look like a great bottle of milk. But when you're opened up, you're ruined on the inside. Here's the wisdom your words can direct your life to sickness. You wake up, God, I just hate my life. God, I just hate my job. God, my marriage sucks. God, I just, I just don't even like who I am. Do you like this? I don't even like who I am. I don't know why God gave me a flat nose, big forehead. I don't know why I got a yarmulke and I'm not even a Jew. Oh, geez, why? Why did he give me baby ears? Why such a big, why crooked eyes? Oh, God. And what you're doing the whole time is those words are cursing your body to be sick. My mother and dad wouldn't even let me say things like this. Man, I'm just dying to go. My mother would be like, ah, you're not dying to go. You're living to go. I'm like, oh, God, Mama, shut up. That's stupid. Neil never talk dying in this home. Oh, Jesus, Mother. I was listening to Billy Joel. And only the good die young. Only the good die young. I was singing it. And my mother, Pentecostal, this is as honest to God truth. Like I lied. But still, boom, she busts open the door. She said, what are you saying? I said, uh, Billy Joel, what is he saying? Only the good die young? And I was like, yeah, that's the song, Mom. Only the good die young. No, they do not. The good do not die young. The good, the Bible says, the good that trusts the Lord live to be a long life. Turn that off. I had to turn off Billy Joel. And then every blooming time I would listen to Billy Joel, I'd have to be, only the good die old. Only the good die old. <laughs> now, I don't know, man. I mean, my mom was out there, but now that I'm 56, I understand what she was trying to teach me is that even flippant words can make you sick. You're speaking death to your children. You're just stupid. You're dumb. You're just like your mother. You're just like your... Those words can make a whole environment sick. Looking in the mirror, cursing yourself. I don't like my body. I don't like who I am. Well, that's why you're so sickly about it. Look in the mirror. You look good, man. And then Robin walks in and says, oh, yeah, never mind, never mind. My dad, I was with lunch with my dad the other day. He's 84. My dad was like, yeah. I just decided I look real good, don't I? <laughs> right? <laughs> like he's 84, he's bald-headed, he's got a little pudgy belly. He loves himself. <laughs> he loves himself. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but man, I-, I wonder what would happen if we just woke up every day and let our words lead us to life instead of sickness. Look in the mirror and go, my God, you're good looking and you're smart and you're going to be incredible and you're going to have favor and everybody that you bump into is going to think you're awesome and God's going to make a way for you when there is no way and you begin to speak life and then life comes. 
but so many people are looking for a miracle while they cuss, curse themselves with their words. And they're mad, like, well, I don't know why God won't heal me. Listen to your mouth. You're wanting the miracle, but you're rejecting the wisdom of God. So check your mouth. Check your mouth. Anybody know Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen? You know, and, and there's that line, Beelzebub's got a devil, put a sign for me, for me, for me. And my girls, I'm riding down the road. They love it. They're all like, dum, 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 dum. and I'm just a dad, like, turn it up, dad. Okay, I'm driving down the road. And then all of a sudden, that, and the devil, got a, Beelzebub's got a devil put aside for me. And I was like, no, I don't want a devil. Send it back to hell. I cranked it off said, girls, don't you ever sing that line again. I don't ever want to hear you sing, the devil has got a devil put aside for me. No, no devil in our car. So when we sing that line, we're going to sing, Beelzebub's going to go back to hell because of me. Because of me. <laughs> now, I know that's stupid. I know that sounds so just religious. But I don't want my mouth saying the, the Beelzebub's got a devil for me. I don't even do well with cats, much less a demon. I thought, Jesus, I don't want a devil in my home. <laughs> Watch your mouth. That's about the end of that point. The next, <laughs> I, I, think, I think all my points are good, though. Like, I, I've, I've lived them all, so I could just talk about all of them because I've lived every one of them. <laughs> my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them in your heart for their life to those who find them in what? Health. Here's the next wisdom. Take God's word as a daily dose of medicine. Stop thinking the Bible is meant so you can have a devotion. The word of God is medicine. And my Lord, if you can take a Tylenol, take a scripture... You can take vitamins, take a scripture. If you can drink a Diet Coke 42 times a day, take a scripture. Right? We're, we're, we're whipping back a fifth to cool us off. The Bible says that the word is a medicine to our whole body. So don't, I'm not saying don't use medicine. I'm for it if it works. But run to the word of God and say, God, let this be medicine to me. When you read it, read it as if this is medicine to my body. I didn't get my miracle, but I'm going to keep taking my medicine. I didn't get my miracle, but I'm going to watch my mouth, and I'm going to let my mouth speak as medicine. I didn't get my miracle, but I'm going to watch my emotions because my emotions are killing me. And then all of a sudden, healing begins to work on the inside of Mark. So do you read the Bible every day? It's medicine. Do you, do you listen to it? Because it'll be medicine to you. The next one. Is anybody among you sick? Obviously, if there weren't sick people left behind after Jesus, we wouldn't need this scripture. So let them call WebMD. And try their best to get into the emergency med as quick as they can. So the emergency med can charge them a ton. Huh. Is anybody sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that sick person well. God will raise you up. I want to just say something. If you're sick in this church, call us. 
Chris, Umar, Donald, Burl, me, Gene, Ryan, uh, Ray, we will come to your house, anoint you with oil, not charge you a thing just to obey the scripture. Are you sick? Come here and just say, would y'all anoint me with oil that I may be well. I'm so shocked at how few Christians when they're sick take advantage of the power of praying elders. We put them up here at the, you know, the tables at the end of every service. There's power there. You've been commanded if you're sick, let them just anoint you with oil and pray this prayer. God will raise you up. Uh, my parents taught me the moment you're sick, call an elder. And my parents still do it to this day. She was having some pain in her, one of her rib cage. And she walked up and she said, my rib's been hurting. I've gone to the chiropractor. I want you and the elders to anoint me with oil. I'm going to be well. So are you taking advantage of that? And I'm amazed at how the devil beats people. But I don't want to bother you. I just, you're not bothering us. This is what we're called to do. This is a joy. It's a joy to say we get to pray for people. So don't ever think, well, I don't want to call Mark. Most of you have my cell number. I don't want to call him. I don't want to bother him. He might be, look, if you're bothering me, I won't answer. I was like, oh, God, they're bothering me. I'm not going to answer. Oh, I don't want to bother you on a date with Robin. Who cares? I'm not going to answer anyway. But leave me a voicemail. I'll call you afterwards. I'll come to your house. How many of you long for the day where doctors used to visit your house? Don't be afraid to ask. We all need elders. A few more, and then I'll pray for us. Here's that. Make intentional effort to have elders of the church pray over you and pray the prayer of faith. I think there's two more. I'll be quick with them. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. You get it? Here's the thought. You want wisdom? Confess your sins and quit hiding them. When you hide sin, it makes you sick. When you cover over your darkness, it makes you sick. And the sad thing about it is church people have not done well to say confess your sins because we beat you up, we condemn you, we gossip about you. So I get it. I get it that we religious people can really mess this up, but let's not lose sight that there's just power to go, man, that's me. I've been living wrong. I've been doing wrong. I confess it. And healing comes when you do that. And to each other as well. Here's the next one. Flee from sexual sins. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but if you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. And now I wonder how many people are just shacking up, hooking up, pornographies, sleeping around with their girlfriend, boyfriend, and the Bible's clear, it just makes you sick. Emotionally sick, physically sick. Next verse. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you? You've received from God, you're not your own. You're bought with a price, so honor God with your body. Here's the final one. Honor God with your body. Here's the thought by that. When you don't get the miracle in your body, but honor God with your body. Go to the gym. Go for a walk. Eat better. Take vitamins. 
Get on a program. Stop being so stressed. Sleep more. Honor God with your body. Now, when, when Robin got sick with cancer, I so wanted the miracle. I want that cancer to just disappear off of her breast and be gone and never come back. I prayed that prayer. God, do it. And she went back and the, it was still there. And then the biopsy, it was cancer. And so it's like, ah, I want my miracle. I want my miracle. Why did they get the miracle? But I'm touching your robe. I'm touching your robe. And in that moment, I had to decide, am I going to grab onto the robe? Miracle, miracle, miracle. Or am I going to let go of the robe and go, God, give me wisdom? And God gave us wisdom. And the wisdom was... Let's go to the doctor. The wisdom was, let's see what they say. The wisdom was, let's take communion every day. The wisdom was, let's stay in the Word every day. And now my sweet bride is wonderfully well running the streets of Disney World as we speak. Because I think there's a lot of Christians that get irritated when they don't get the miracle. They give up. They get mad at God. They drop out of church. They think God doesn't love them. Instead of saying, well, instead of getting the miracle... Let me seek the wisdom. And let me ask him, how's my thought life? How's my, how are my words? How's my physical fitness? How's my weight? How, how am I honoring this body God gave me? Are there sins that are secret? Are there hidden things in my life? And, and when we begin to do that, guess what the Father will do? He will lead us beautifully to healing because he wants us all well. Let me pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.